streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, it's good to be with you again to study the cross and what that means. And this morning, what a what I want to look at is the cross as a way of life. We, we studied Mark 15, which was looking at the cross in terms of the actual crucifixion story, and we studied that. And then we looked at how the cross deals with our sin and completely forgives our sins. And that, that's, that's based out of Leviticus and the sacrificial system and the Passover lamb and and, and how Jesus has completely forgiven us of all of our sins and took upon Himself at the cross the punishment for our sins as our substitute. And so if you are found in Christ by faith, your sins are totally forgiven. Now Jesus speaks in the Gospel accounts about the cross in terms of discipleship as well. And not only about salvation. Okay? So so we can't study the cross and only talk about salvation, though that's where it starts for sure. Right? But Jesus talks about the cross as the pathway to discipleship. And so we have to study that in any series about the cross to do justice to what Jesus is saying. Because He... I mean, he's the one that endured the cross, and so I think I'm going to afford him the right to tell me what it really means. So, let's, uh, let's base our study out of Matthew 16. And, and, and in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 and through 28, we get the famous, the famous passage, you know, take up your cross and follow me. The take up your cross passage, okay? And so we're going to look at that. So Jesus had, had just had the transfiguration. Peter has this moment of clarity where he says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Okay? And then Jesus says these amazing things to Peter. Oh, you know, uh, on my rock, you know, I'm gonna, you're my rock, and I'm going to build the church on, on this revelation that you received, and, and, you know, I give you the keys, and, 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 you know, the gates of hell will not of hell will not prevail against my church and just these wonderful verses and then but then it turns sour fast. So let's read it. Verse twenty one of Matthew sixteen. So from that time forth Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. So Jesus begins to teach the disciples, that he is going to have to die. But then he'll be resurrected. So he begins to teach the death and resurrection concept. Okay, But then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Whoa. Peter. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but he, He's bold, man. Peter took him, began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. In other words, Peter's saying, uh-uh, I don't accept this idea that you're going to die at the hands of religious leaders. 
I, I don't receive that, Jesus. I can't do that. And, but he, meaning Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, you are an offense unto me. For you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man or woman, all inclusive, okay, will come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save their life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose their life for my sake will find it. We'll stop there, and we'll, we'll get to verse 26, but I want to stop there a minute. So this is Jesus saying, what does it mean to actually be his follower? I mean, he's telling us straight out. So we've got to under, understand this passage if we want to live a life as a Christian following Jesus, are you saved? Great. If you're not, get saved. Then study this passage. Because <laughs> it's two different things. Having a moment where you realize that Jesus is your Savior and died on the cross for your sins is, is one, is an event that's historical in your life and changes everything. Surrendering to the way of the cross is the process of discipleship. And that is another thing. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So, at the base it says you have to take up your cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Him. There's three verbs there, right? Deny, take up, follow. Deny, take up, follow. Three verbs. Okay? So these are the conditions of coming in the footsteps of Jesus. And we're going to look at each one. But before I, before I go there, I want to... Uh, Look at what is the cross not, your cross. So every one of us has to bear a cross, okay, similar to Jesus, okay. But what is the cross not? Now this, this I hope will bring some clarity to you because I, I see, I meet Christians who are confused about what it means to take up their cross daily, okay. So here's what it is not. Okay, one thing it's not is living up to the expectations of others. Okay, okay. So in other words, uh, your family puts expectations on you of who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do with your life, and then you begin to assimilate that into your Christian walk and try to say that the cross that you're bearing for God is actually living up to the expectations that others have placed on your life. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because the expectations that others put upon you might not have anything to do with God's call upon your life. I mean, you have to think about that. And this is where we have people who come to our ministry all the time who, who have a call and their families are, are mad. You're going to fundraise? You're going to live a life where you raise money? Why don't you get a real job? Right? Why don't you get a real job? You hear that all the time with interns that come here. They have a call on their life, and their families are just frustrated because they feel like working for a ministry where you live off the support is not a real job. And that makes me really sad. That breaks my heart because 
living for God and living by faith financially is one of the greatest blessings that anybody could have. <laughs> I got an amen in the room right here from, from, from the boss. He says, yes and amen. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a blessing because, because your, your trust is not in the world. Your trust is in God. You have to depend on God. And you're seeking to please God. All right, I'm, let, let me move on. So, so the cross is not, is the cross that you bear is not about living up to the expectations of others. Okay? Okay, it's, it's, it's also not really having to do with sort of the woes of this world. Okay? For instance, um, you know, life is difficult sometimes, right? So you have health problems or you have relational issues, right? And so we sort of interpret all of these different struggles that come and go in life in this present world and say, well, this is just my cross. I'm, you know, I just have to bear my cross. It really has nothing to do with a kingdom thing. It, 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 it's all about you just sort of interpreting your difficult circumstances as being what, you know, what you're doing for God. Well, really, it doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom. It's just, you know, Jesus said in this world you'll have trouble. I mean, the world is full of difficulties, and, and we're all going to go through them. We're going to go through financial uncertainty. We're going to go through relationship issues. We're going to go through health problems. Okay, But all of these various things that kind of come and go in life, that, that's, not, that's not the cross that Jesus is asking us to bear. That's not, it's not a kingdom thing. That's just, that's just troubles of the world. You know? That's just the, the, the cares of this world popping up and, and trying to disturb us and bother us. So don't interpret those things as somehow... You know, this is my kingdom cross. No, that's, you know, and God helps us in those things. It's not that He doesn't care, but that's, that's not the same as bearing your cross for Christ. The third one, your cross is not self-inflicted hardships from your own bad choices. That is not the cross of Christ. Let me say that one again, okay? Because I know for some of you it's sinking in right now and you need to hear it again. <laughs> I love you all, okay? I love you. All right? The, the cross, following Jesus and taking up your cross daily is not dealing with the self-inflicted hardships that come from our own bad choices. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that in an unkind way at all. We all just have to deal with the consequences of our mistakes. But that's not taking up your cross and following Christ. <laughs> that's... You know, that, that's, just, that's just dealing with the consequences of sin. And we all have to wrestle through that in life. Okay? So, so those are some things that the cross is not. The cross is... Last one, actually, I want to I touch on is the cross is not the concept of li living a defeated Christian life. Okay? In other, have you ever met one of those Christians... And, and I and I won't say what denomination they're usually from, but one of those Christians who's it, it's sort of a downer Christian, you know, every, defeated and and down and woe is me and self pity. Okay, in other words, they're not living a victorious Christian life in Christ. They're not living free. 
And they present that way of life as if they're bearing a, a cross for Christ. But actually, it, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a form of really selfishness to internalize the things that have happened to, your, to you in life and wallow in your self-pity. And then you say that you're bearing your cross for Christ. But you're not doing anything for the kingdom. Okay? I'm getting some yes and amens around here. <laughs> I got some people who grew up in church, man. They know what it's about. They've seen it all. Yep, I'm with you. All right. So I touched on the things that that's, that's, that's not the cross. All right? Okay, so when Jesus rebukes Peter, he says to Peter, you don't have in mind the things, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns, okay? You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So if we're going to be able to take up our cross, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ, then there has to be a clarity in our minds about what is a human concern and what is a godly concern. And that's what I'm trying to help you do as I sort of look at what the cross is not, right? Is we have to have a division. There has to be sort of this, the smoke screen has to clear and we have to be able to see, oh, this is really what the kingdom is about. That, that's what it is. It, you know, that's, it has nothing to do with all this stuff that I, I've been thinking about. This is what the kingdom is about right here. There has to be a clarity in our minds about that. And so we're going to look at, at what, what was Peter thinking about? Okay? So what was he confused about? In other words, he was taking his own, his own issues, what he thought was important, and superimposing it upon the mind of God. I'm going to say that again. Peter was taking what he thought was important and superimposing it upon the mind of God. And Jesus said, uh, you can't do that. Okay? Okay? Uh, you can't tell God what to think. You can't tell God what's important. <laughs> okay? God has his own mind, and he decides what he thinks is important. And it's up to us to say, Lord, would you help me to understand what you think is valuable, what you think is important in life, so that I can, uh, so that I can live my life according to that principle and not whatever you know, I'm picking up here and there. You know, Peter's thinking about things like political gain, power and influence, right? Uh, economic security, you know? Wanted to have a social status. I mean, Jesus is, he's popular, man. Everybody wants to be around Jesus. So, so Peter's over there, he's like, man, if I hang around with this guy, you know, I'm in the, I'm in, the in crowd. Everybody like, everybody's going to like me, you know, and, and I'm going to be... You know, Jesus' right-hand man, Jesus just told me, you know, that I'm the man, you know. So, I don't want to give that up. Now Jesus is talking about dying on the cross. No, hey, wait a second. You just told me that I'm, I'm the man. And now you're saying, talking about a cross. So, 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 Peter's struggling. Let's look at the mind of the disciples a little bit. Matthew chapter 20, okay, beginning of verse 20. This is uh, two of the disciples come to Jesus. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. All right, this was James and John. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine 
may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in the kingdom. So you say, oh, well, this is the mother. Well, not really, because Jesus, in response, talks to the two guys. So the two guys go to mom and say, hey, mom, mom, will you, go, will you do something for us? Will you talk to Jesus for us? Because I, I think if you did it, you know, so they're triangulating the situation, you know. I think if you talk to him, he'll probably receive it. He'll probably receive it a little bit better. You know, so they're thinking about how can they manipulate Jesus? Oh, God, help me if I ever try to manipulate Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Okay, so, so, so Jesus says, you don't know what you ask. In other words, you're clueless, your mind is gone, you're thinking about something that has nothing to do with the kingdom. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? In other words, I'm thinking about a cup. I'm thinking about suffering. I'm thinking about the cross. And you're thinking about glory. Your mind is off. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized. Baptized. And they say, oh, yeah, we're able. Yeah. Yeah, we can do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem, Jesus. We'll do it. So he said to them, well, you will do it. You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. In other words... You're going to be martyred. So he prophesies over them. They're going to be martyred in the end, which is a testimony which is so beautiful because even though they're totally clueless right now, Jesus is speaking into them that they're going to get it so firmly that they're going to die for Jesus. That's wonderful. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Then, so he gives some clarity and says, well, look, guys, you're asking a question that's just, it's a pointless question to ask anyway. But here's what you really need to be thinking about. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers, right? So they're all thinking, you know, that's what they're thinking about. That's the mind of the disciples. Okay? It's who's going to be on top. Who's going to be the boss? Who gets to be in charge? That's the mind of the disciples. And so Jesus, Jesus starts to talk to them. Here's what you really need to be thinking about. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying, this is the thought pattern that you need to have in your mind. This is how we think as Christians. This is what it means to follow after me. This is what it means to deny yourself, take up your cross. We can also look at, uh, just, just looking again at the mind of the disciples real quick. This is just kind of fun. This is, this is what they were, this is what was going on with them as they were clueless before the cross, before the resurrection. You know, really a picture of us before we got saved, right? <laughs> Baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Luke 9, 51 to 56, just a few verses, gives us another little snapshot into the, the mind of the disciples. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Okay, so this is, this is Jesus saying, time's come, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I know that I'm about to die. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. So he's going to be traveling through 
Samaria to get to Jerusalem, okay? And so he sends some of his guys ahead of him to, uh, to try to find a place for him to stay when he gets there. That's the scene. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for a journey to Jerusalem, okay? And, and you have to get into the discord between Samaritans and Jews here. And so that's why they didn't want him. They didn't like Jews. You know, no, you're, you're going to Jerusalem. We're not helping you do anything. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah did? That's the mind of the disciples. That's where they're at, man. I mean, how did Jesus even do it? Man, I would have just turned around and walked away. You know, and just, oh. He rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, you're clueless. You don't know what you're talking about. Your minds are just scrambled eggs, spaghetti brain. You can't think straight. I'm trying to tell you that the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The son, verse 56, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so you could see here that the disciples' minds were thinking worldly things. Not, they didn't understand the mind of God. And so Jesus says, Peter, I'm telling you that I have to go and fulfill my purpose in life. This is what God has called me to do. And you can't understand it because you're just thinking about what you're just thinking about the things of this world. You're thinking and based your rational thought is based on money, economics, political power, social influence. You're not thinking about God. So then he begins to tell him what it means, how to reorient his thoughts. Deny, take up, and follow. Okay, I'm doing good here. I'm not going to finish all my notes, but that's okay. So to deny, really, uh, it's the, the concept of, uh, of uh, sort of, well, Losing your life. You know, Jesus sort of gives, as when he says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me, he then, he then after that, he fills it in a little bit and says, it's about losing your life, releasing it. You know, in other words, the things that you really think are important or that you are taught to think are important in terms of a worldly perspective, you deny those things and say, okay, God, well, what is important? And so then you take up your cross daily. Now, Luke Luke is the only one that says daily. Okay, Matthew and Mark, they just say take up your cross. Luke adds daily. Now, I think in Matthew and Mark it's implied, but Luke is writing to a Greek guy, and so so he wants to make it clear that when, when we're talking about the cross, it's a it's an ongoing thing, right? So this is, we're talking about a way of life, and so not... And I think Luke is probably helping his friend Theophilus, who he writes the book to, to understand that he's not asking Theophilus to go hang himself on a cross. <laughs> right? It's just, okay, it's, it's a way of life, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. In other words, 
the, the image is that uh, somebody who was condemned to death on a cross in a Roman court, which really wasn't a court, so you can't think of a justice system. It's basically just, you know, stand before a guy, and if, you know, if, if you're poor and you're out of luck, you're going to be condemned for death. It's not, you know, don't think of justice system the way we have it now. But anyway, so you would have, like Jesus did, you would have to carry your own stick of wood, your, a giant log in the shape, shape of a cross, and you would have to carry it yourself to where they're going to crucify you. And so the concept here is that you are living your life as though you are already dead. Okay, as if this life, so to speak, is already surrendered. So that's where we get the famous verses like Galatians 2, 19 and 20. For through the law I died to the law that I might live to God, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's where you get some of these famous verses. And then Galatians 5.24, again, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is all based out of Jesus' teaching that we are to take up our cross and follow him. Now, when you talk about following Jesus, it's following in the way of service to others. Okay? It's following in the way of forgiveness it's following in the way of uh, seeing what you can do to bring the lost in, to bring in the harvest, seeing what you can do to feed the hungry. See, and we, we feed a lot of hungry people here at RBM. We present the gospel to a lot of saved souls. We try to get as many people as we can baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful for that. And we're not perfect. You know, we make a lot of mistakes, but man, uh, we're trying. At least, at least we're trying, right? So then Jesus says this. He, he challenges the disciples, and I'll, it looks like I'm going to be ending with this. He challenges the disciples to think, to think about this a little bit. Because he says... For, in verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Okay, So the world, which is temporal, and is, is biblically speaking, we learn over and over again that the earth will be remade. That, that the, the riches that this world has to offer and, and, and all these things, that they're, they're things that are not eternal. They don't go on into eternity, but your soul does. Okay? But your soul goes on into eternity. So then he says, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, what is your soul worth to you? Think about that. You ever ask yourself that question? What what value am I going to place on my soul? Am I gonna am I gonna put a monetary value on my soul? that is eternal and will either go to be with God in eternity or be separated from God for eternity? Am I going to put a monetary value? Am I going to put a, a, a value that uh, of any sort of 
pleasure or any sort of experience that I want to have in this world is worth more than my eternal soul? What am I, what's, what's the value of my soul? Am I, and am I treating my soul like it has eternal value? That's, that's what I see Jesus saying. Are you considering that your soul has eternal value in heaven? Has that thought been processed? Because when you follow Jesus in the way of the cross, in this life, you follow Him in the way of service to others, but then you keep going and you follow Him all the way into eternity. You take that cross and you walk the way of service in this life to Christ, and then you just keep going straight on into heaven. By the way, the New Jerusalem is a cube. Okay? It's 1,400 miles high, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles deep. It's a giant cube. And there's, there's 12 gates around it. Each one is a giant pearl. And the gates never close. And inside is golden streets and the glory of the Lord. And there's no sun because the glory of the Lord gives light. And there's no pain, there's no tears, there's no sorrow. All is healed, all is forgiven, and there's a river of life that just flows out and, and brings life to all the nations. And that's where our soul's going to be in eternity. So following Christ is, it, it, taking up your cross in this life means you serve. Okay, but then you just keep carrying that cross into eternity. And you get to be with Him in that new Jerusalem and you get the mansion. You know, we have, I, I did a series recently in my church where we talk about, you know, uh, if, if, it's 14, if it's a cube 1,400 miles high, 14 wide, 1,400 deep, you know, we tried to figure out the math of how, many, how much, you know, volume each person gets, but then we realized we don't know how big our bodies are going to be. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then you just get weird, you know. <laughs> it starts getting weird. I'm out of time here, but I hope that you, I hope that you are encouraged this morning about what it means to follow Jesus in terms of the cross. And I hope you were blessed. I hope I've helped you understand that this is not something that that Jesus is asking you to do that's worthless or that is just to you know, have a miserable life. You know? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of joy in laying your life down, serving others, and watching God just completely move in power in your life. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Have a great day. Minha alma